Welcome back, everyone. Um, this is the first episode of 2023 for the NAS podcast. I recently released an episode with Antone Galileo. I'm pretty sure he's a photographer. That was from 2022, though. So we're about three weeks into January. This is the first guest of uh, the new year. So woot woot to that. <laughs> hell, hell yeah. <laughs> so, so my guest today is a chef. He's originally from California. He now lives in Seattle, but um, we'll see how things go. He might move back to California or wherever the wind takes him. Well, the sunshine takes me. We're going to be focusing on his background, what brought him to Seattle, uh, the pop-up phase he went through. I actually um, met him through uh, Bigfoot Longs, who was also doing pop-ups. And when I released their interview, it, it caught this guy's attention. And uh, what what's next for him? It seems like he's moving into television, and we'll see where that goes. It's my pleasure to introduce Chachi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. People know you as Chachi Chachi's Pizza, but are you are you still that? Are you still the pizza guy? I think it switched from Chachi's Pizza. I was originally Chachi's Pizza because I had always wanted to do pizza, and then I got really bored and wanted to hit the stoner belt of burgers burritos so i'd switched it to chachi's pnw and then now it's just chachi just i don't want to mislead people and keep like the company name alive for like food going because i'm not sure what that feature is mm. but for now it's just chachi but people know it is chachi's pizza and the people who've been riding with me long enough have the chachi's pizza gear instead of the chachi's pnw Whoa. yeah that's wild so that's just a fake i thought you were going to be like bigfoot longs or they're just hot dogs for the rest of their life Everyone thought that. Everyone wants that, to be okay. honest. All my other stuff, like, didn't. All the other stuff sold out just as well, but it definitely, like, every time I did another event that was, like, you know, burritos or burgers, everybody like, yo, this is sick, but, like, when's the pizza coming back? So it just became, like, it already got was the nail in the coffin. I wanted to avoid the nail in the coffin, mm. and it just happened. I think because the pizza was its own thing, too, so it was, like, harder to find that. Right. That's yeah. a lot of people's biggest fear, like, being put in a box, unless you're, like, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Where you yeah. can make bank off that shit for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, if you just properly do it. <laughs> Only problem is you don't make any cash being in the food industry. You're uh, like total. Sure. You like you don't make anything, but you just work your whole life a ton, and never see your family. So it's like a trade off. It's like how much do you really love it? Right. And me, I love moments in life more than I love cooking. Okay. You know, when did you? Life. When did you figure that out though? There probably was a mo moment where you thought you just liked cooking and didn't really think about moments in life. Uh, it took me to get like engaged and married to have someone else in my life. It took me to like mm. have that appreciation because I've always been an artist of some sorts. I was a painter before I was a cook uh, and I, I lived in San Francisco and I just work, work, work. Like that's all I ever did. And mm. then there just came a moment when I hit when I was like, oh, everything's so temporary. I don't have time to just cook pizza all the time. I don't have time to just be at a restaurant all the time. I mean, I even like shaped my dog breed after me being at work. I have a bulldog. Mm hmm. So when I got a dog, I was like, what sleeps for 20 hours out of the day? Because I'm going to be gone all the time. So I like shaped everything around it. And I was like, that's stupid. It should shape around me. So then I just kind of switched it up. And I was like, I want to live live life wow. a little more. You know, I want to do things. That's intense to get a dog that like, I guess everyone wants a dog that they don't want to feel sad when it's like when you're gone for a long time. But for totally. you to really take that mindset to be like. It's a, it's a whole thing, man. Because I mean, I think a lot of people get breeds off of how they look and it's like the wrong way to go about it, right? Because people get like Cataluas and like cattle dogs. You don't have any cattle. You know, they need like <laughs> yeah. to do things for a while. So I was like, what likes to sleep and is happy sleeping? And they were like, bulldog. <laughs> I was like, well, cool. And then it ends up looking just like me. We have the same issues. 
but yeah, that because that's that's a thing, isn't it? Aren't bulldogs like illegal in some areas or something? Uh, pitbulls are in Canada. No, pit but I, are... I thought bulldogs because like they can't breathe right. Oh, you can't br- bring them on planes. You can't bring them on planes the right way or on the on the seats. You can't bring them either way because their nose is so flat they can't breathe correctly when they're ha- like a high altitude. Okay. So I can't bring them. I mean, dude, he has skin issues. He has like oh man, slobber. His like anal gland bursts everywhere all the time. Oh, like Jesus. he's just like a, yeah, dude. Like when you meet Mac, everyone's like, I would love this dog. And you're like, no, you wouldn't, dude. They're so. I just took him to an appointment today. I had to take him to a checkup. Oh shit. Yeah, dude. And they love seeing him. They're like, we love Mac. You can bring whatever. And I was like, fucking keep him. Oh man, <laughs> man's best friend. Yeah, he's my he's my child though. He's great. He looks just like me too. And people meet us. They're like, you look just like him. And when I went to pick him up in Oakland. So when I walked in the foster lady's house to sign the papers and take them, her first words were, oh, damn, your head is as big as his. Oh, and I man. was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it's like a piece of home then. You actually like went, because you said you, you stayed in Oakland for some time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's a little Cali dog. He's an Oakland boy. Wow. Yeah. He had a, a Cahill Mac, the football player, when he was on uh, Oakland. Mm-hmm. He had a Mac jersey because his name's Mac, my mm-hmm. dog, and I cut it at the belly because he's all ripped. So he looks like a yoked football player. It's pretty oh, sick. Damn. Did you take him on walks or something? Or? Yeah. Yeah. At first, I wasn't able to, though, because he was uh, found hit by a car with his legs all broken. Jesus. So when you take him out, he would pancake. So I used to have to walk through Oakland carrying this 50 pound American bully on my shoulders because he wouldn't walk. So I'd walk into a bar, <laughs> pull him in, and just sit him down, and he'd be like, and then calm down. That was crazy. Damn. So. I didn't know you were a painter. So let's start. Let's go back to like the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You're in. You're in. Where you were born and raised in California. Yeah. So I'm originally born in Los Angeles. If you go by the DMV answer by the books, it's gonna be called South Central. Mm-hmm. If you ask a local, it's more just South LA. It's right below the ten. Uh, people have called it Mid City before. Uh, born in Los Angeles. Lived there for a minute. Uh, I kind of got in a lot of trouble growing up. I was definitely like a wreckful, like little. Just like a little angsty kid, you know? So they had eventually moved me from there. We went to Fontana, which is like the desert of just nothing. It's just like dust, Hell's Angels, like a NASCAR fucking track. It's it's mm-hmm. nothing. Skateboarding, uh, it's the home of meth. It's where it was created. There's like a lore that if you go in the desert, that the original recipe for meth from Hell's Angels is buried out there that you could like go find it. Wow, I thought Seattle became the home of meth. But on <laughs> 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 yeah, you guys are a heroin town. You guys got like the sleepy junkies. Yeah. We got the meth ones. I told that to my wife. I was like, dude, your your junkies are like sleepy. Like ours are smart and they're super fast. <laughs> they're like wreckful. Like advice from my dad once was like about like you can't punch it. Like you can't punch someone on crack or meth because they're super. They have a super strength. He was like aim for the throat. Everybody's got to breathe. So like that was like the technique. But here you just like walk past sleepy sleepy junkies. Yeah, that's great. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely like a different place. But uh, yeah, no, I started there. Um, I think my dad had taken. Wait, how me old were you, by the way? So you you grew oh. up in South Central, and then how old were you when you moved? So I was entering eighth grade when okay. I moved to Fontana. Okay. When I moved to Fontana, I had went there through high school. Was kicked out of every single high school until I was sent to a continuation school, which is like I don't know what you guys call it out here, but it's like packets. Packets. It's like um, you pass by just completing packets. So opposed to like just beating a class, they're like, well, if you beat ten packets here, you've done math forever, and you're like. Oh, like pass-fail type thing, maybe? Kind of. You guys call it something different out here, but, like, over there, it's, like, five packets get you your math, Mm. like, like completion. And, like, ten packets of English will get you, and then you just have to, like, finish, like, a literal packet. That's right. It's for people who are, like, struggling. (laughs) Definitely got there, and they were, like, what do you think about construction? They gave me pamphlets, and I was, like, I don't fucking do construction. And they were, like, well, you should consider it, because you're definitely not going to graduate. I was, Ah. like, fuck you, watch me. So I graduated early. 
because those packets, mm-hmm. not because I'm super smart, but <laughs> I finished it. Um, and then my dad took me to San Francisco one time. Uh, he has to travel to be a computer engineer, and he was like, you should come, and just got me a plane ticket with him. We got there, and I thought we were going to hang out, but he had to work, so he just put money on a BART card, the subway card, and was like, go. Mm-hmm. And I was like 15 or something. No, maybe like 14. I was really young, and he was like, just go. And I just got a card and skated throughout the city and discovered things, and I like found all the chaos in San Francisco, and I was like, this is fucking sick. I love mm-hmm. the craziness. I love like all the wild shit. So um, after leaving high school, which is like – 2008 i want to say i am class 2008 so after 2008 uh for christmas i got like 200 bucks uh went to catch a bus to go to san francisco i went to uh, target i stole a sleeping bag a pillow and got on a bus for like five bucks to go to san francisco then i moved there wow (laughs) did your parents not know then or what they did they were just like fucking do your thing they like did they were they were very like they're the chill parents like when people come over they'd smoke weed there (laughs) they were like my mom would make us munchies as kids she'd be like oh you guys are stoned like you want tacos and rice and beans she would love it and just like make it all if you're gonna smoke anywhere it's at our house (laughs) yeah yeah you know like they're just like yeah just kick it just don't go into cocaine you're just like all right okay and then you go into cocaine but it's (laughs) but it's funny because like you you i got on this bus right and there used to be a bus called mega bus and on some days it was a dollar. Oh shit! And you would meet outside of the county county jail in Los Angeles. It was across from a Denny's, which got bought out, and they kept the logo, but it said Nibblers. It was turned into a Nibblers, which is a fake restaurant. But you'd go there. Wait, what do you mean a fake restaurant? It's not real. Like they tell you, it was someone who took over it, and they kept all the logos, all the seating, everything, but they had to legally change the name, so they just changed it to Nibblers. Mm. There's no other Nibblers, and also it changed back to a Denny's because it went out of business as Nibblers. Ah. Um. You go to this bus, and there was this super, super old Asian dude who ended up banking off this company's idea, and now it became a huge bus company like Bolt Bus. So he's rich somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> but he would stand in front, and he'd be like, where are you going? Because it'd stop in San Jose and San Francisco, and then come back to LA. And he'd be like, San Francisco. He'd be like, a dollar. Or like, uh, five dollars. And you would just give him and just go to the back of the bus. Damn. So I caught that thing out there, and uh, it was a long road. I went there painting. I uh, worked at an art store for like four years. Uh, wow. Like stocking or like what did you do at the art store? Blick. It was like Blick, Blick and okay. Cap Hill, but yeah, it was yeah. in San Francisco downtown. Uh, <clears throat> dude, the first time I ever got to Blick, I got a job there. Um, my boss was this super rad dude who was actually a famous drag queen out there who was the fucking best dude ever. Alex Brawboy. In Cap Hill, you're saying? In San Francisco. In San Francisco, got it. And he, uh, he was like, yeah, if you want to smoke, you go out to the back alley and you check it out. And I was smoking out there and I was just kind of like, well, what did I get myself into? I just traveled. My friend gave me his art studio to sleep on the floor. I had a sleeping bag and that pillow I stole. Mm. That was all I owned. And uh, I went to work. And in the back, this fight starts between these two crackheads in this alley, which ended up being like the most notorious alley in San Francisco. Stevenson Alley for like stabbings and shit. Okay. No clue. And I was having a cigarette. Some dude starts going back and forth and start chapping each other. Like someone owes someone money. And I just see this dude start getting stabbed. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm in a whole new world. And I walked out and I found out I was in a whole new world. And I thought it was fun for painting and inspiration but eventually you're just so broke you're like right i need to get a job job so when you say painting like graffiti or what do you mean by like painting we did graffiti as well we wrote uh we paste all types of fun stuff i think it was more to fill the angsty empty hole in our hearts to just like destruct Mm -hmm. something and just so we all grew up skateboarding forever yeah um but i was painting like uh i was doing wood panels and doing like one shot paint which is the paint you see on front of buildings that are like sign painting Mm -hmm. super enamel glossy and i was doing like uh R. Crumb, Basil Wolverton, they're all like the original Mad Comics guys. 
uh kind of like what you see when you see spongebob do like a freeze frame and it's up to it's up close and it's super grotesque yeah i was doing stuff like that and are you good at that like are you a detailed <sighs> i did good i did some cool shows man i did shows uh with my friend my, my basically my brother mario ayala who's now a well-known painter uh I did some with like Jay Hal, Mike Giant. Jay Hal's the dude who does Bob Burgers. Uh, really? I did some pretty good shows. Yeah, I just was like, that was during a phase when I had like anxiety and no one really knew what it was. And I was prescribed a bottle of Xanax, of bars, 30 bars for $15. So that like year is super fuzzy because that's when Four Locos came out too. And if uh-huh. I had anxiety, I would shoot a bar down and just crank a four loco <laughs> so like dangerous. so like a lot <laughs> so a lot of my that year is like super fuzzy uh but i eventually was there and i was like all right i gotta pick something i want to do and i either want to make pixar movies or i want to be a chef and uh we went to a house party and outside was someone was throwing away a box of books and it was all cooking books and i was like that's my sign and i went to go try to become a chef and i was walking around san francisco just like hey my name's charles bedenzi all i want to do is be a chef and people were like fuck off and i was like all right i've seen chefs having cigarettes in the street mm. So, all right. And then one dude was like, no, nah, I can make you my dishwasher. And I was like, it's a job because I'm wow. living on a floor with a sleeping bag that's like ripped. So like, couldn't be any worse. So like I went to get a job as a dishwasher and started from there. Damn. Wait, what was the inspiration to become a chef though? Like, did you have any background beside, because you said you went from wanting to paint and then, or a chef. So why right. the or a chef? Uh, so I was always the stoner friend who cooked because uh-huh. my mom cooked a ton and I had hit a point when I had made i think my dad had made me a meal my mom had usually made and i was like nah i want it to taste like mom's and he was like well fucking cook it yourself so my mom came home and i was like how do you do this and she would just show me every way she cooked everything and i started doing that and then when i was a young kid skating uh one of my friends sisters and brother-in-laws played anthony Bourdain all the time mm. we went over and one of these series he was just smoking a ton of hash and, like taking shots and i was yeah. like this is a chef i thought chefs were like rachel ray or just like you know, two tablespoons of this, like, don't forget it. And they're just like super like lame. And then I saw this dude smoking hash and I was like, this is fucking cool. I could do this. You know, I was like, I like this guy. So I was like, I'm going to be a chef. So I started cooking seriously. And before I left to San Francisco, I had gone to Le Cordon Bleu to try to sign up in Pasadena, California. And they were like, this is your monthly payment. And how old are you at this point? Like fucking probably 18, okay. probably 19. And I was like, I'm going to take a crack at it. And, I went to go ask him, and they're like, this is your monthly payment. And I was like, okay, I can't afford that. What can we do? And they're like, you could just not go here. I'm like, then you can't afford it. That's what it means. And I was like, oh, fuck. And that's like a culinary school? or what? That's a culinary school okay. that eventually, I think, got sued and had to give everybody money back because they had, like, false leadings of getting you jobs. Ah, shit. So really, I won. In the end, I didn't have any debt to pay off. But they were like, yeah, you just can't go here. But then one of my friends who was a chef was like, you know, you could work your way up. You could just be a dishwasher and go. So when I heard the offer of the dishwasher, I was like, Fuck it. This is it, dude. Like, just go for it. So I was a dishwasher for a while in a mall buffet. Oh, wow. Yeah. To get, like, Super discount bummer. on the buffet at least or what? <laughs> I took so much food. <laughs> I, would, I would take all these foods. That's when Tate's cookies started coming out, those crunchy ones, the green bags. Yeah. And the, one of the reps would come, like, we're trying to go in California. And I would just rack cookies to go home, leftover prime rib. And at the end, earn extra money, this cat named Chris, I would seal his weed in the sealer that would seal the bags for me <laughs> to go in a... It was just like a vac sealer. Yes. Because yeah, like, if yeah. you seal my bag in quarters, I'll pay you in weed. So I was fucking zipping, zipping, zipping. It turned into a little extra cash here. I'll take home food. And the managers were nothing ever saw? I was the closer because I was the dishwasher, so got no it. one was there. Got so it, I was just it. late night scraping fucking plates, and I'd be done, clock out. Then I would just be like, seal, run, start racking cookies. Like, come back. Like, seal, like, get my prime rib, wrap it up. And I would just go seal and take it, put it in the bag, yeah. put it outside, take it. So it was just like any way I could get money. Yeah. 
I was doing it. Damn. <laughs> That's super interesting because I feel like, hmm, I guess I have a supportive family, but I also at times rather be like homeless doing what I'm doing yeah. than like work at McDonald's. And it's worked out for me. Like I said, also for the audience, I'm about to get my own studio. I'm going to be signing the lease soon. So yes, super, Sick. super exciting. So my passion, but maybe arrogance at the same time has bode well for me, but for a lot of people, what I'm doing would definitely like not work for them. So it's always exciting and interesting for me to hear how people like ways they made money. Dude. Like my last guest, they were a drug mule. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like a heroin drug mule. <laughs> Casual. But yeah, that, yeah, that like um maybe like that would sound weird like ten years ago what you just said, but like we're in Seattle where weed's legal, so like if anything, that's just like a funny story. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it like just you know, it just depends where you come from, you know? Like if you're just like uh I wasn't out there like robbing people, you know right. what I mean? I was just there. I still hold kind of the same stance. I'm very like neutral about the government. I don't really like them. So for me, I was like, they're not going to help me. Cause I applied for like, you know, food stamps, anything I could get. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times I was, uh, I was told I couldn't get them. I didn't qualify, you know, cause I didn't have enough information on me. Like you're kind of like a ghost person. You don't have enough like information for us to get anything to you. And I was, you know, I was like, well, I'll just get it my fucking self. Right. So I just kind of made things work myself. And, uh, it worked in the end because now I'm like super crafty, dude. When shit happens, like I'm like I can make this work. Yeah. I can I can totally make this work. I'm good at being broke. I can like stretch a penny. Yeah, artists artists are usually really good. <laughs> you have to be. There's like no choice. It's like you're either good or like you know you're one of those rich kids who came from like a trust fund company and you got to go ahead and get the trust fund parents to fill it out. Yeah, and mine aren't like poor by any means necessarily. They're not like you know they're working class. But uh, there's just a moment when you just get tired of like. You know, I don't want to ask for help again or anything. You know, I, just, right. I can figure this shit out. And you have a support of homies that who are all into it. Mm. You'll figure it out. It's not that hard. Yeah, you just need a support system. No matter yeah. what you're doing, you just need a support system, and you can you can get it going. In Dude, my opinion, yeah, totally. So you worked your way up at what job? Like, when did you like? Did you did you did you ever get to like a super fancy restaurant in L.A. or anything? Or totally. So I went from the dishwasher. Uh, my, I went from cleaning all the pans. Eventually, they were like, you can put the the roast, uh, the prime rib up in the, um, God, I always forget the name of the machine. It's like a rotisserie machine. You just like plug them in and the flame hits it and they just kind of rotate mm-hmm. till they cook. I did that and I thought I was a chef, but then I was just <laughs> literally cutting at a market. You know, it's the exa- it's like a PCC almost, mm-hmm. you know, cutting the meat for some lady and she's in a fur coat. San Francisco is super rich, you know, and she just like yells at me because I have the wrong cut or it's not the thickness. So over it, and I was on my break at the mall because it was in the it was an underground. Uh, it's on the bottom floor of a mall on Market Street in San Francisco, and at the bottom floor there was like pictures of chefs, with, you know, their arms crossed and like doing poses. And I was like, I'll be like that guy. So I like would run upstairs because the top floor was called like so I had some sort of name like the Gallant or like some shit where all the, the nice restaurants were. Mm-hmm. I saw one window and I would try to get in, and the hostess wouldn't let me in. She's like, the chef's busy. I didn't have time because I'm just a dirty dishwasher kid. Yeah, three times I try. She's like, he'll get back to you eventually. And he wouldn't, you know, because he didn't know it was coming. She just wouldn't let me through. Uh, one time I go there, she says no. She walks away to help a table. I was like, fuck this bitch. So I fucking ran through and I went to the chef's counter where I was, where employees were supposed to go. And I was like, my name's Charles Medency. All I want to do is be a chef. This stuff's fucking amazing. All I want to do is this. And the guy was like, all right, fuck, we need someone. Like, come by tomorrow. And that's where I got my start. Um, I wish I remembered his name. 
sounds yeah, like your origin which, story. It's so far <laughs> along ago, dude. It's just it's just like eleven or twelve years ago. I feel like this was like two thousand ten or nine. Mm. Uh but uh oh it's Eddie Hong. It's the same name as the guy who has like the fresh off the boat series. Okay. Yeah. His yeah. name's Eddie Hong, Chinese cat who was super cool. After that, you know, I just traveled around working. Um, different spots, whatever I could find, because back then you didn't have like two jobs to survive, so I was doing anything I could. But the fanciest place I'd ever worked um, was Petit Trois for Chef Ludo Lefebvre in Hollywood, who's like a celebrity type chef. Um, I had hit a point where I was working for a catering company. I had this issue with my brain where I was, uh, it looks, I have uh, uh, epilepsy. Oh, shit, are so, these like, lights too bright? No, no, no. We're gonna. <laughs> no, I'm just here. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and it's a. Uh, it's like I would shake, and it was the worst because like I would just constantly shake, and if I met someone, they'd be like, oh, don't, don't be nervous. I'm like, yeah. Fuck you, dude. I can't help it. Like, go fuck yourself. And uh, I was cooking for this company. And I had a cast iron pan. We're doing duck breast. We're searing them. I was still green, like brand new and cooking, mm-hmm. you know. And I dropped it because I couldn't hold. Like my hand just gave up. And they were like, you can't cook here. Like you know, it's just kind of dangerous. We love you, but like you just can't do it. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. That's totally. That's fine. And uh, so I dropped it and they told me to go. And my mom has worked in the neurology office for like 25 years. So they went to see me like immediately. And the doctor was like, you know, rest in peace, Dr. Wallman. Uh, oh, but man. they were like, uh, you know, we uh, we don't know what's really wrong. Uh, does your job include like sharp objects and hot things? And I was like, yeah, fridge is a kitchen. And uh, they're like, you can't do it anymore. You just. Mm. And I was like, for how long? They're like, ever. Like, you can't do that. So I'd quit for a while and I went back to selling paint. Wait, did this come to this like happen over time or have you always had epilepsy i had the last seizure i've ever had was when i was 15 Mm. so it was always kind of there but like i just never really cared Mm. uh i just like kind of was like "Mm," and just left it let it be uh so we couldn't figure out what was getting wrong because i was just kind of fucking shaky and dropping shit and then i finally i tried this medication i felt better so i went to chef ludo who then was a famous chef but not really like a tv star um went to try out with him like you should come here we're gonna do just sandwiches for a minute it should be easy on you to get back on your feet and i was like cool can i start tomorrow and like you can't start for like a week because we don't need you for about a week and i was like well i can't wait a week because i'm super poor like i need to get on this he was like well pulled out his wallet and just got a few hundreds and was like if i give you this will you come back and i was like yes and wow. he was like better fucking come back and he gave me the money and then i came back and then i got to work there and that year, when I got back from that week break, they're like, yeah, we changed our mind. It's not sandwiches. Like, we're doing a full menu. It's like, whatever. He treated me with respect. I'm down. That year, we won Best in America from uh, Bon Appetit, Food and Wine. Uh, we were finalists for James Beards for Best in the Country. So we won Best in the Country uh, with a bunch of people just that year. Damn. So yeah, it ended up being like a huge comeback. It was like a whole thing. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a thing. I was like, fuck yeah. And after that, I was like, I did it. Wow. <laughs> So did you definitely put that on your resume or like, how do you? Fuck yeah. That like, that like got my checks like a lot higher. Like when I did that, people were like, you work for who? Like, oh, and then, you know, did that. And then I ended up, the restaurant after I went to was like another top in the country. I think there were like three. So from there mm-hmm. I was kind of hopping fine dining. And then I realized I hated fine dining because my homies can never eat there. What makes someone switch restaurants? Is it just pay <clears throat> or different experiences you want or what right a ton i mean especially back then it was pay you'd be treated like shit there was like a kitchens were like when i got in there there was the end of like the a different era like it was like you worked with ex-cons who were like doing meth in the walk-in like you were like it was a world you know mm-hmm. now you go and like everyone's like protecting everyone like not back in the day 
back back in the day you were fucking fighting for your own shit like you were like trying to survive like it was like a whole thing like you could do straight up prison so it was like mm. different rules would be there uh so it depends what, what bothered you i left because this chef had come to eat there and i'm cooking at the bar like as close you know as a bartender taking your order i'm cooking for you and i'm serving it to you and it turns out he was a great chef in portland who worked at ava jeans his name was sam uh sam smith and he i cooked for him there and he goes hey if you ever want a job in portland here's my card Damn. And uh, eventually, a couple months later, I was like, I want to live in Portland. So I fucking called him on my way up and I was like, Do I still have a job? And he was like, Fuck, I got to fire someone. But yeah. What? Yeah. So I went up to Portland and got that job. But I stayed in fine dining for a little bit, but uh, it wasn't for me. It's uh, not my style. Do you, do you think every industry, like no matter what you're in, is kind of like that? If you just know someone, you can kind of get in. I think it's a lot of timing and who you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that guy from Tiger King, the fucking main guy who was like- I never saw it. <laughs> he's great as fuck. I mean, he's, he's a killer, right? So he's not that great, but <laughs> he's pretty funny. He's like, at one point, this guy is like asking how God's where he went. And he's like, it's not who you know, it's who you blow. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I always used to like send that to people. But it was uh, it's all about like timing, being social and meeting people, you know? And like, it's it's I've I think a lot of, I like to say a lot of my career is based off luck. Hard work too, but like a lot of times it was just being in the right place at the right time and like, that was one of those moments. I didn't know he was a head chef that was like an award-winning right. chef. I had no clue. Damn. And uh, he was just like, here's my card. This is right, Cook. If you want a job, you have it. And I was like, cool. Hell yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's fucking crazy. So what type of dining is there? There's fine dining, there's fast <clears throat> food, there's your grandma's cooking. And then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grandma's. Yeah, you got like uh, fast casual is the new thing. Okay. That's what basically everything is, right? Like everything now is like it looks a lot fancier. It's a bit pricier, but it's like, approachable food like That's little what, woodies maybe well woodies is like a super fast casual it's like a little more in the fast food end but they do like artisanal mm. stuff um it would be like um god what's a good example here like musang musang in uh i think it's like beacon hill or something it's like one of the most popular restaurants out here it's like a fine dining ask but it's still approachable like that's kind of the new thing i think fine dining itself with like tweezers and like the tiny tiny portions it's pretty dead it's pretty hard to make money off that so that's pretty dead but i don't care for that so i'm pretty hope i'm pretty hyped on that i just went to on accident me and my friend carter um went to a tapas place Mm -hmm. and we were trying to go to this restaurant called monster bowl i don't know if you've heard of monster Bowl. Mm -mm. it's like like you can order like anything from like maybe like a burrito bowl or a pokey bowl it's just everything's like in a bowl sick you know it's pretty tasty that's sick um and it came out like last year in green lake and i was like carter we gotta go so we went and went into the building and there was we sat down and we're like there's no menu that says monster bowl on it and this is the directions and i've been in this place before (laughs) and i'm like where the heck is monster bowl so Carter's like, we're already in here. Let's just order. And we look, and it's like a tapas place. So it's like tiny, tiny Wagyu sliders, two of them, and then like macaroni, truffle macaroni. Right. And it was like 40 bucks. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and, then we, and then we leave, and we split that. And we're like, no, neither of us are even close to being full, <laughs> you know? And then we leave, and this waitress like walks outside because they're seating outside. And I'm like, do you know what happened to Monster Bowl? 
And they're like, oh, this is Monster Bowl. We just don't promote it anymore. You have to ask for it. I'm like, what type of marketing? <laughs> they're like, we just don't really want to serve that. We want to serve this more expensive food. <laughs> and like, like, so how are you supposed to know if you're getting Monster Bowl or Tapas or whatever it's called? Guess. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. up to you playing hardball. Yeah. So like I need to figure out, maybe maybe you can help me learn about like food in Seattle because I, I have no idea. They have a ton of food to show you like, in Seattle. I already, the only places I know is if I want to get like, food that's cheap-ish that's good like i have like yeah but there's probably a ton of affordable food that i just don't even know like my favorite thing is sushi so i could tell you like all the affordable sushi places that's that's hard to do right (laughs) because affordable and sushi are two words you don't want to mix right you get totally fucking sick i'm the king of food poisoning i've had so much fucking food poisoning really i can like give you i've had salmonella twice and e coli twice oh my god yeah yeah dude i had a fucking First Seattle dog I ever had gave me a coli. Uh, it was when I first met my wife and she was my girlfriend and we all go out to party and we go to the the hot dog stand in Capo right near like Unicorn, I think it is, yeah, or yeah, Comet. Yeah. Fucking, she's like, oh, try this. It's got cream cheese. And all that's fucking disgusting, right? Because in LA we have danger dogs. It's mm-hmm. bacon wrap hot dogs, the jalapenos and onions. Like, fuck, when? And she's like, fucking, she's like, cream cheese. And I was like, I'll try it. Boom, E. coli. Fucking got uh, it right away. And the doctor was super coy. He was like, well, what happened was you had a hot dog and the employee may or may not, you know, use a restroom, number two, and uh, may have not washed his hands. Uh. Something might have been on his hands. I was like, did I eat shit? And he was like, yeah, no, you had fecal matter. And I was like, uh, got it. Fuck <laughs> that. Yeah, super bummer. So why, why is, I don't even, why is Seattle so obsessed with cream cheese? I'm not even a huge cream cheese guy. I don't know. Cream cheese and bagels is dope. And I mean, yeah. like, I can't act too far above cream cheese, right? Because on my hot dog, I like mayo. And okay. I guess that's not too far. I mean, it kind of is. But, like, it's just not my thing. That's definitely mm-hmm. not my thing. Like, I, if I get it and they're like, all we have is cream cheese, like, I'll just take the fucking dog and bread. Like, I can't eat it anymore. Yeah. Also, I think of getting sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I can't fucking. <laughs> it's too much, <laughs> dude. All I tasted was cream cheese mm-hmm. that day of puking. So all I think of is, like, hot dog and cream cheese. And I'm like, mm. Mm. can't do it, man. It's too, it's too weird for me. But, I mean, you know. Different stroke, different folk. You yeah, know, thing. Because it's like that's the Seattle thing: cream cheese on everything. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never, I've never been a fan of like sour cream or cream cheese or yogurt or any of that. And I feel like those are all in the kind of same dairy. Yeah, they're part. all the fucking dairy fucking world, dude. Yeah. yeah, as you get older too, it gets worse. Like I can't really have dairy as much anymore. <laughs> I have to like think about it before I eat it. I'm like, do I really want to fuck my shit up today? I'm like, fuck it. I'll eat it. I'm just like, I'm just toast. And my dog's just sitting by me while I'm pooping. And he's like watching me i'm just like why did i have dairy so uh, it, it gets worse but cream cheese it's not really my thing but it's cool you know do your thing i'm dead so you started working this fine dining place in portland yeah and then did you move up to seattle after that or did you go back to california Dude, the journey's so long yeah i had a uh, cooked at that place in los angeles i'd driven up to portland the fucking shit car that barely made it to the shasta pass Dude, the thing was like it was like, like just shaking as I was going up the pass. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. AC. It was like 114 that day or something. It was like super hot. I had a shirt that I dunked in water at the gas station wrapped around my head. No shirt on. All the windows down because the AC didn't work clearly. So I'm in this car and I'm going up and it's like, I'm just like fucking trying to make it to Portland. I get there and I'm living in a dining room for 200 bucks a fucking month. So my friend had a spot and he was like, the dining room's kind of got a wall. We have like a shower curtain in the way. Mm-hmm. 200 bucks a month if you want it. So I was Damn. like, Damn. Sick. Threw my bags down. It's like the last roommate got arrested, so you could just use his bed. It's still there. You might just want new sheets. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just sleep in the same sheet. So I just slept in this bed in a dining room um, and worked at Ava Jeans, and they paid well. 
So yeah. I had like no issue with like paying rent. So I was just partying really hard. It was super fun. Were you good at saving though? I'm not good at saving still. Oh, you know, no. I fucking wish I was, dude. I'm like the worst at it. I'm like <laughs> fucking by the stupidest shit. And then I go do these cleanses every month where I just bag everything I've never used and bought and just resell it. It's like the oh. fucking worst. I didn't save then. I think I was like 25, 24 at the time. Uh, but it was just like a party world. I mean, dude, there was like nights where the roommate, you come home and one of them was like a fixed gear biker, right? Because the biking scene out there is massive and there'd be tons of dudes just partying in your house. Next thing you know, someone has a machete and they're just like putting it into the table and you're just like, damn, this place is crazy. You're just like fucking walking around like this is fucking nuts. Uh, but it was super fun. Yeah, I was there for like about uh, four months maybe. Wow. Yeah, and I thought it was so passive aggressive I had to leave. I was just like, I can't fucking do this. And then you, you're like, let me come to Seattle then. <laughs> well, no, no, I never even come to Seattle. I went to California again. Mm-hmm. I went – uh. I think I went back to Oakland and I had lived out there for a minute, cooked at like a ramen joint, which was like incredible. Ooh, I love if that. I'm correct, I remember always getting like number two in the US. Like it was really, really good. It was these Damn. dudes who uh, worked for an incredible chef named Alice Waters, who's like a huge, it's like one of the Michael Jordans of cooking. Hmm. Uh, worked that, and one of them lived in like Tokyo for like six years or something, then came back and like taught everything. Uh, and I had to go back to California after working at a pizza joint there at the same time. Uh, my grandma was passing away. We couldn't afford full-time hospice. So it was like, you should be here, spend time with her, help out. Did that. But in the meantime, I got a job where I was like, what's temporary? Uh, and I worked at a pasta joint in Pasadena that was uh, called Union. It was a super good spot. Uh, but they were having me work like 14-hour days, like five days a week. Jeez. Like I was over it. You know, I was driving yeah. home and falling asleep with like Red Bulls piled in the bottom of the car. And I was like, I'm fucking I, – I was like, I can't do this. And then the, we got the chef comes home. The CDC, this girl who actually was on Top Chef, she's great. She's a great person. Uh, her name is Sarah Grumman, uh, if I'm saying that last name right. Uh, but she's like, all right, guys, we're going to, like, put in some more work. Like, Chef's a little busy. Like, we have to get these hours. And I was just like, I can't do it. I'm over it. And she was like, if you're over it, just hand the keys. And mm. I was like, I'm pretty over it, man. But when I was cooking there, I had uh, – everyone knows I'm a huge Dodgers fan, like, born and raised. My grandpa came to L.A. from Mexico and train hopping in Texas. He got there. He was a Dodger fan. It's mm. been it's ever since. So like, you want to feed this table as the Dodgers coach and the GM. So I went to feed him and chatted with them. And kind of like jokingly, they were like, you know, we're hiring a Dodger stadium. You should check it out. It's like, not really for me. And we're all, Haha. But when I left, I was like, I should check it out. And then I became a chef for the LA Dodgers for the 2018 season. Um, Just while I was like, it's temporary too. My grandma's going through her thing. And I worked there. And at the end of it, she had passed away. Wait, what does it mean to be a chef at an L.A. Dodgers stadium? At the, at the Dodgers stadium, <laughs> so you can cook for the players too, mm-hmm. but your workload doesn't get any smaller, right? If they're like, oh, yeah, you can cook for like, you know, the players want something right now, you can cook for them, but like your workload is still there because you're running all concession stands in the whole stadium. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was the biggest stadium in like the U.S. We held like 65,000 people in it. So it's like so busy that like I was like, I want to cook for them. So I was just running concession stands walkie-talkie in place i'm just like running programs i'm like telling them we need this cooked we need that cooked i'm trying to help with it the whole time in the stadium you're designated to an area like a half of the stadium and you're just walking up and down the whole time oh man all those stories like seven stories i think it is you're just going jeez checking every stadium you good and they'll be like i need this and you call for it no one answers you got to get it yourself at the main mm. station so you're just literally babysitting the whole time you're there for like 12 hours don't those concessions make like a fuck ton of money though it's fucking ton and especially with the daughters like they're <laughs> non-stop sellouts like it's like the top stadium to work at it's like if you can do that you can do anywhere damn uh so it's really busy 
tons of drunk people. It's like a whole fucking oh, okay. and Dodger fans are rowdy, so it's like real stabby and fighty, you know. So it's like, <laughs> it's, that, are you are you stabby and fighty? Stabby? <laughs> Not anymore. I'm pretty chill now. I feel like, I feel like we do. Dodger Stadium is the only place in the U.S. where tailgating's banned. Oh, it's too much. Yeah, they got a ban, and you got to go through like two sets of fucking. Uh, you got to go through two sets of metal detectors to get in. Damn. Yeah, we're a rowdy type. It's okay. We don't mean any harm. I mean, Jeez. sometimes it's gotten pretty crazy, but I mean. What are you gonna do it, you know? But uh <laughs> but yeah, cooking there was great. Uh and then after that I came to Seattle. I got offered uh a good chunk of money to come up and help open a spot in Bellevue called Lincoln South Food Hall. Lincoln South Oh, yeah. Wait, that's the, the one where the movie the movie the yeah. Lincoln Tower you're talking about? Yeah, they have Lincoln South Food Hall. It used to be there, now it's all closed. <sighs> that was my that bulldog burgers or whatever was my oh. burger brawler. Was that yeah, what it's called? Yeah, burger brawler. Yeah. Oh my god, that was my favorite place. Did you ever have the chicken sandwich? Uh uh-uh. uh. The fried chicken sandwich? I put that menu I put that on the menu with uh Named after my dog. It was called Max Chicken Sandwich. Did you cook there? I ran all the ones. I was the sous chef of the whole place. So Do you I think we ever one. ran it? Maybe like you saw me when I was a little boy. Dude, I might have. I, I was know. there all the fucking time. And it closed just because of COVID or what? It closed from like <sighs> poor management and like kind of concept wasn't really, you know, nailed down right. It, it, it failed for a multiple number of reasons. Uh, There's a few like shady folk there i feel like and it was just like bound to catch up you know you can't be shady and not have it catch up like right. it'll, it'll catch up so that's what kind of happened and uh yeah the burger bar was the best concept i think that I place was great that place fuck yeah did you ever have the, the fish sandwich i don't i stuck to the burgers and like they're crazy like they had the craziest desserts and shit dude well fucking i don't know maybe off the record i have the recipe book so i can fucking give it to you and you can oh, figure out how to make it at home shit. i have the whole burger brother one what yeah i have oh. like a binder just like that of every single official one like laminated and shit ah uh, hell yeah yeah if you think of something you really miss oh you missed the the milkshakes and the food just all of it i because it's been like what four years now four or five it's years it's been a minute it's since covid yeah that's craziness yeah, Damn. it was a nuts place. But they're turning into like something else now. It's gonna turn into like it's gonna be a food court. I'm pretty yeah, sure it'll probably one. be different owners because mm-hmm. it didn't work too well. Uh, but they also the owners that own that own Ascend at the top. The okay, dining restaurant. Wait, Ascend's in nor- in that building? Same building. It's on the I very had top no floor. Idea. Have you yeah. been to Ascend before? Yeah. So we were brother restaurants and brother sister restaurants. So if they needed something, we needed something. Okay. I got in trouble for this eventually, but all the guys up there were tired of eating steak. Mm. Cause it's all fine, like fine, like dry aged steak and all this shit. And they're like, we just want burgers and wings, dude. So I'd come up with a fat bag of burgers. I'm like, yo, my, I've just met my, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, I'm trying to press her. What do you got? And they'd be like, a oh, fucking steak, like fucking this. You want to take it home? Uh, be like, yup. And I bring it up to like, cool. In that case, we want like eight burgers, this, fries, that. And I'd be like, Phew. toss them, fucking bring up the bag. And I get my bag to go down. So I was up there all the time. Damn, and that's sushi. making me hungry. Ah, I've never <laughs> been. I want to go there the so bad. The sushi's good. The sushi's really? The old guy who ran it was like a Forbes 20 under 20 kind of person or like really? a 30 under 30, one of those ones. And his stuff was so fucking good. But on Google or whatever, it's like a million dollar sign stick. It's like five dollars. It's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive as shit. Dude. It's the opposite of what you just wanted. It's like affordable. Like <laughs> wait till that wait till that new studio comes and those paychecks start rolling. Then you go there. Yeah, exactly. I'm so excited for that. But like to the point, like I'll spend money on things if I really need to. Right. Or if I'm in the right mood. But I'm also like super into like thrift shopping, yeah. or Facebook marketplace, or like me and my friends on Saturday, we went to Vaughn's A Thousand Spirits in Belltown. I've seen that one. 
and we spent three hundred dollars in gift cards <laughs> during happy hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. We, that's the we move. Had, we had a great time, but you know, but that's all gift cards and stuff. Like we 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 make a, a whole thing to do that type of stuff. Why not though? It's a gift. That's what it's for. Yeah. yeah fuck yeah. Cash that bitch in. I do for sure. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I don't get gift cards anymore, but like. Best believe I use that shit for yeah, sure, dude. A hundred percent. It's like uh, it's a different world out there, man. I mean, it's funny because I feel like gift cards are the biggest scheme now. That's oh, the best shit. way to make your money and sell things. But I love marketplace. Yeah. I'm on that shit all the time. Offer up. Yeah. So I got all my equipment for cooking when I started the pop up. Oh really? I got the dough mixing machine from some fucking dude in the sticks, like fucking south, like old dude. I met him like an hour and a half south or something. I went down there and it was a it's an original KitchenAid made in the U.S. where the gears are still metal. Mm. It was his wife's, and his dad worked for that company as a kid. He was like, oh, yeah, my dad was a baker and just got these and constantly gave him his wedding gifts. And I was like, cool. He goes, I'm divorcing my fucking bitch wife, and fucking nothing would piss her off more if I sold her machine. And yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, you know, piss her off more instead of 60 to 40. Yeah. <laughs> the guy was like, oh, he'd be so pissed. She's like, oh, she'd be so pissed. And he was like just super pumped. And he was like, 40 bucks. I got it. I was like, sick. He was like, hey, it might be cursed. Your food might taste like my wife's. Tastes like fucking shit. And, he like, uh. and I was like, sick. And I was like, whatever, dude. I just want the fucking mixer. <laughs> And I, my my wife was there, and she was like, "Dude, you're like egging that dude on." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, sick, fuck that." So we got it for cheap. Everything I got was like used. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it's the way to do it, man. That's how I was able to like come up so much quicker. I feel like I got so much help, right place, right time. One hundred percent. Damn, I wish like you always see those memes of girlfriends selling their boyfriend's Xbox or whatever for like ten bucks. <laughs> I wish I saw more of that stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I go for it all the time. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah, I get pretty good. Yeah, I probably pick up. Something from Facebook at least once a week. Yeah, fuck yeah, me too. Not, I'm yeah, on all the time. Yeah. Like it's like some people like when they wake up are like looking at TikTok or Instagram reels, like the first thing. Like I I could probably check my um battery usage and <laughs> it's probably Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best thing though. I find crazy shit on there all the yeah. time. The best way, and here's a fucking insider tip for someone trying to start a fucking cooking company, you need equipment. Go online, Facebook preferably, because the because the photos always there. You can see who's selling it to you. Find the board housewives who got the, the who got the equipment and don't want it anymore, and just haggle. Yeah, because they don't give a shit. They just want it out. A yeah. ton of my machinery came from like housewives in like Arizona or like some like super nice in Phoenix and mm-hmm. all these places. And they're like, I just don't want it anymore. Take it for this much. I'm like, fuck yeah, I pay like forty <laughs> bucks or something. I got new equipment. Hell yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, all that stuff was like right time, right place with that company. Because the beginning, I was running out of my apartment complex. Mm-hmm. I, I watched your interview. You said you, like, you broke your fucking oven. At yeah. One <laughs> and I didn't get in trouble for it. I already got my shit back, so I could say that now. I already got my money back. <laughs> but I like, I, could, I started doing pizzas in the parking lot with a uni oven. Mm-hmm. Wait, first, you, actually, how did, you, how did you even decide pizzas? You worked at all these different places, from ramen to burgers to all this stuff. Right. And then somehow pizza. So when I was working with Chef Ludo in uh, Los Angeles down in Hollywood, uh, I worked with uh, the chef for next door because he had two restaurants connected. One was a super fine dining Michelin star and one was where I was at, which was a casual fine dining. Mm. So we're like family, though. They made you eat together. When you got off, everyone drinking together. They would come to this restaurant and help us clean if we were taking long, vice versa. Mm. We were like family. So one of the guys goes, his name is Brian Cripps. He's awesome. Uh, and he goes, listen, it looks like, you ain't got no passion working for this food. And I was like, oh, it's not really my thing, French food, you know? So you just check out this book. And he gives me a pizza book mm. for Roberta's in uh, New York. I think it's in Bushwick. And I start looking through it. And I'm like, that looks fucking sick. I want to do this. So as I was working at the ramen spot, I also worked at a wood fire joint called East End Pizza in Oakland. Mm. Or in uh, Alameda, the island next to Oakland. 
uh, so we did that and it just kind of like piled from there. And before that I was a consultant with Dropbox. So I would just like have like this weird, like guest contract and they bring you in like a fire anytime. They just like kind of, you just kind of brought you in for a job and it was done. They kicked you out. And mm. like when I got there, they were like, do you know anything about pizza? We need the pizza station run. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I just read books. I don't know shit, but I just lied my way through. I was like, yeah, <laughs> easy peasy. So I just learned there. I just trial and error constantly, constantly learning through there. So I'd gone through all that. Um, and I was working at the time at a wine bar in Madrona. Um, and then I had made, we, we'd COVID had happened. Yeah. Everyone for a while, if you remember, was like, we're making family meals to go. Like these like kits you would bring home. Right. That was like their thing. Wasn't going too well. And they're uh, at the company party. I'd asked one of the owners, can you help me? I want to start a company one day. He's like, we got nothing to lose. Like you want to try uh, doing one of your little things you always wanted to do, like a Chachi's thing? Because I already knew the name for it. And I was like, yeah, let's do burgers. So I was doing burgers and we sold like a hundred in like an hour. Like, and this just... is where, what part of Seattle? Is this it? is in uh, Madrona. Wait, called... so where is Madrona? Madrona is... That sounds bad on my part, being it's, a Seattle podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, see, Madrona is like towards the water from Cap Hill uh, across from Bellevue. Okay. So it's like the east end of the water right there. But it's like a really nice neighborhood. Okay. It's like super fucking nice. It's real cutty. It's aligned with Central District. It's like right on the edge. Oh, the I was just there yesterday. Oh, my God. That's so funny. My friend yeah. Jake is... Um, he does like private catering as well. And we're like, we went to this like crazy neighborhood down there. Sick. It's a crazy neighborhood. Yes. Yes. I know exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. Super bougie. Like it's like, oh. it's like picturesque. You like look there like, and you're like. It's kind of like get out-esque a little bit too. Yeah. Yes. When you were there, I swear every time I'm there, I used to joke that like, if I walk around, I was like a chocolate chip on a cookie. Like, and I see a fucking just like beige. I was fucking there. Just like everywhere you walk, you're like crossing the street. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I belong here. But I was there and, uh, you know, so I did the burger pop up and uh, it was, it went really well, you mm. know. Uh, I had a few hookups with the owners, um, like kind of trying to claim the burger themselves. So I like, kind of had pulled out eventually. But the GM there at the time, I think her name uh, was Kristen. She was like, fucking burgers are cool, but what's better is fucking pizza. Well, just that statement, I was like, I could do pizza. And I was like, but I've always wanted to do Detroit-style pizza because are just like fluffy Sicilian square pizzas. Mm. And I grew up eating it in San Francisco when I had moved there. You know, I was like, tall boy, a clam pizza. Like, I would always have it at this place called Golden Boy Pizza. Favorite pizza in the world. But what, what's out. better than, like, what? why do you like square better than circle? Is there like a plus or is it just it's like hip a to be square i think it's just like a better texture right because okay. it's like fluffier it's like this flat crispy right and also like there's something satisfying of having like a square slice on like a beer or mm. like a joint whatever you want you know, like there's <laughs> something like it's like good hold away you can like gesture with it yeah no, it's like i like the fluff more crisp i don't know it's like more rustic it's like uh easy does it you know easy done right mm. um but i got from that and i was like i should try Square pizza, because I had only done uh, wood fire ones, which are completely different from square, like, mm -hmm. like completely different things. Um, so I'd done that, and uh, I had 100 bucks. went to Target. I found pans that were $10 a pop, bought 10 of them, and just started working from there and doing it at the apartment complex. And, mm -hmm. like, at the time, COVID had hit really hard, and there was uh, people moving out, but nobody moving in. So the place was getting empty. And I asked the landlord, who was super cool, her name's Lorena. She was always fucking – she made a lot of this possible by just being like, fuck it, do what you want. And I was like, hey, I, can I use other apartment complexes that are empty as their fridges for storage? She was like, yeah, whatever. And there was a luggage trolley. So I'd have a notepad and it'd be like, apartment 220 has cheese. <laughs> apartment like four something has like sauce. So I'd like walk through like the morning of and just like 
like this one, I would just open it up, had my sauce in the fridge and cheese. I go to the other one, I was like pepperoni, I would have veggies. And I would just bring it all back to my apartment and do it. That's wild. It was crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. How do you promote something like that though? Insta- so yeah, that's like a missing chunk. I do. So when I did the burger pop-up in Bottle House or the wine bar in uh, Madrona, I had like kind of one Seattle photographer, Amber Fouts, had come and seen it and tried it and told a Seattle Times food writer about it. Hmm. But by then I had pulled the plug. So the Seattle Times food writer found me, got a hold of me. I was like, are you Chachi? Your name's Jackie. Uh, can't say her, life, her last name for the life of me. It's like Briano, Briano. All these are crazy last names. Yeah, people. dude. I'm also just like not good at speaking. <laughs> so I was like, I was like bah, bah. but like she she had hit me up. I was like, hey, can I get the burger? And I was like, oh, it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Keep me in the loop when you do something. So then I was like, pop ups coming up, and I sold like the first one. I sold like 25 or 30 pizzas, and I was like, hey, uh, I'm gonna start some. She's like, cool, I'll come by and pick one up. I was like, oh shit. So my first customer ever was a Seattle Times food writer. Wow. So she came and got it. And then wrote about it and it was over. After she wrote about it, it was just sell out. It was on Instagram mm. and just, I th- fuck, dude. I think for doing it for like the year and a half, whatever I did it, I think I just didn't sell out maybe like four or five times. Wow. Like everything was like, it was like a thing to get one. It was like a whole fucking thing. So like as soon as she wrote about it, like over, like fucking people were all about it. And it was just, I would pre-sell them online on the story through DMs. I would just have a general folder. Mm-hmm. primary folder and whoever ordered one I put to the general that's how I kept like track of it mm-hmm. which always didn't work but I'll keep track like that and just sell them like that and just every pop up selling them out selling them out and that was it it was crazy all it took was that one article let me damn know. yeah so what would your advice be then for up and coming pop ups like for me I've been telling people for like artists they need they're like they need a press release an EPK so they can send that to podcasts to me to radio station is that kind of similar for food if you're your own thing like do you need to send it to food blogs and food writers or what is your advice for that it probably i mean it's probably a, a bit different i don't so I, I had people a lot of pop-ups during my like you know during like the peak of it asking me what what to do to make it better and I, the only advice i had was like just be yourself hmm. like that was it because I, I when i started the company i was like listen i'm gonna just only a hundred percent unapologetically be myself because if i don't i'm on a script right and you got to follow the script for your character you've created i don't get in that mess i just want to be myself and i would just get high create ads on my couch just get super stoned and just make a batch of ads throw out these videos that i edit funny things into and it just worked like Mm. it was just a time it was just a timing it was like luck and timing it just things worked did you did you you utilize uh you'll utilize (laughs) um uh reels or uh so reels weren't a thing at that time got it reels uh but i was getting videos from like online that would mention pizza Mm. and then i would edit my logo in the center when it would say something if someone like an old show from the 70s was like pizza i fucking love pizza pizza makes me feel and i would just have it like say chachi's pizza and then edit it but it was just me on a couch stone just like that'd be funny you know just fucking just fill up my phone and I was getting so stoned that I wouldn't remember. It was in the morning. I'd have a folder and be like, well, let's see if it's worth it. Yeah. And I'd click it and watch through everything and just kind of figure it out. But it was just through that. And like for a while, I was getting more podcasts hitting me up for interviews for marketing. Hmm. And it was like something where it was like, it was for marketing. Sorry. This thing's going off. It was for uh, no worries. marketing. And they were like, hey, we want to know your marketing techniques. And I was like, listen, you don't want to fucking hear them because it's, <laughs> it's not good advice. It's just me getting high. I was brushing them off, but it was just like, 
pushing your brand 100%, keeping it authentic because people can spot fakers yeah. fucking 100 miles away. You know, Be yourself. Do what comes to you natural. Do what you love because if you're good at doing what you love, people will buy it no matter what. Mm-hmm. You'll get better. Like, trust me. But the only thing was like social media too was like 90% of my job. All right. It's a whole thing. I had to post every day. And I Googled best times to post. Mm. Followed that like a Bible. And it worked all the time. I just I gave people like, I had a lot of notes written of what my plan was and I would just send it to their pop ups and be like, follow this. It worked for me. I don't know. Damn. Is also is pizza like a big thing in Seattle? It like, was during COVID. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you're I don't know if you say in time you're like, what were you saying? You're saying time. You're just like happening in the right time, but maybe like, you know, preparation's important too. Like, yeah. Obviously you had been doing this for at least at that point nine to ten years you mm-hmm. know what i mean so it definitely helped right because i had a chef doug rankin who was the chef at a petit trois or at trois mac for both of them he was a chef for the both of them but uh he was like you know you're fucking like you're 90 percent macgyver like 10 percent chef that's like the fucking <laughs> rule like you just have to learn how to make it work and that was like something that stuck with me where like you just made it work and my head chef of Petit Wall, who really took me in and was like, I'm going to teach you shit. You just need to shut the fuck up and listen. And I swear I'll make you a good chef. And I was like, got it. And he was like, back in my day in the 80s, they would just leave me and be like, fucking get it done by morning and just leave me at the end of the night of a shift. And he was like, so I was by myself in a kitchen running this thing by myself, just figuring out how to make it work. He's like, I can teach you that. Mm. So I had this dude's whole teachings of just being like, nobody's around to help. So it was just like, I already did this. I was like, I've already been doing this. I was like, it's fucking awesome. So I was my own boss for once. And like, before I came and used the fridges for COVID, I'd have to make dough at like 10 at night, start making at 10 at night, finish by like fucking midnight because I'm making like 60, 70 balls of dough in a tiny KitchenAid, putting it in my van on the floor, stacking it, tying it with seatbelts, taking it to Kirkland to my old in-law's house to put it in a fridge to go to sleep by like three in the morning, four in the morning, come back at like seven in the morning, take them out and let them rise in the house with the heater on. Mm. Cause I didn't have a dough proof or like a heating box. So I just literally go to my apartment, crank the fucking heat. So the doughs would all rise by the time. Like it's just making it work. You know, you could do it. Yeah. Anyone could do it. It's just, uh, you gotta have the passion. You gotta have the passion, dude. You gotta love what you're fucking doing. And also like some people do, you know, and there is more technically talented people than me out there, but, uh, time and a place. Like I just had Seattle food times writer first time popping up, wrote about it after that, like another article, this article, that article, then I was getting interviews and it was coming up, you know? Mm. Just all right timing, I guess, you know? It's hard. Did you want to work for yourself or is this, was that ever like a mindset when like you were growing up and getting into cooking that, oh, I want my own restaurant or I want da-da-da-da-da? Yeah, for sure. I think by, uh, when I first had lived in San Francisco, fuck, 2009 or 10, I started a clothing company. It's Mm -hmm. called Uprise. It was the uh, old logo of this one, the fist. Oh. And um, I had started because I was like, I want to work for myself. I never want to work for someone. And I was from there just pushing shit, just always starting something. I was always on Photoshop creating new graphics, starting random things where I was like, I'm going to have a company that makes skateboards or like socks or like something. You know, I was just always making shit. Mm-hmm. So it was like I also had the preparation of like at that point, like 20-something years of me just being like, I know how to do this. And like I grew up with my dad teaching me Photoshop. He's a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. So to create graphics for me were no big deal. To create like ads, I was like, I've been doing this for fucking years. So yeah. I'm just piecing shit together. Yeah. So it depends where you're at, right? Because some people was like, I want to make videos. And I'm like, I don't know how to teach you from the ground up, but I could tell you what I did. So it's kind of like that, you know? It's yeah. like uh had a little hand up, I think. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I uh, learned how to edit and basically podcast all on my own. 
you, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you kind of, you do have to, you kind of do have to be left alone if you really want to do this. Yeah. Like I've definitely failed a lot mm-hmm. and you learn from those mistakes, but you have to realize their mistakes because some people are making hella mistakes and they don't even know their mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, why am I still here in this exact spot? However long later. It's uh, it was like really good advice that stuck with me that I got from my dad. Or he was like, everyone fucking makes mistakes, but if you're not learning from them, you're fucking wasting your time. He's like, but if you're learning from them, it's progress. Mm-hmm. And that's all you want, right? All you want is progress. So like, learn from it this way, learn from it that way. You know, and I think uh, it's partially just like me trial and error. It's all the fucking same shit, you know. But like, see, like I think in your case of podcasting, you have an upper hand because you're super sociable. Mm-hmm. And you're like bright and welcoming. I had so like, to learn that one. though. Oh, really? You weren't like that normally. When I was when I was growing up, I never like I was kind of like, it's a class clown. Sick. But it's also because <laughs> that's tight. So <laughs> I don't tight. know. Someone, someone. I reached out to like an old classmate, like, fucking, two or three weeks ago, just to like say hi randomly, because like a lot of my friends, because I'm 22, a lot of my friends are back in. Well, I guess they just left again, but we're back in town for winter break, and I was just hitting up like old classmates or whatever, and like this one classmate like nailed it on the head. They're like, "I never thought you were like annoying in class. It just looked like you were like hurting at home." And I was like, "Fuck! I wasn't even really your friend at school, <laughs> and you're saying this? I'm like, oh shit! I was a dig. Fuck that guy." Yeah. But I was like, maybe that that was true. Like I had like such a strict like regimen when I was at my house that when I was at school that was my chance to like socialize so sometimes I did take it too far and I would get in trouble but besides that like in sports I was never really picked and I was like athletic and I was never picked to be like a captain or be the first in anything right and then when I turned 18 and moved out of my house I decided I wanted to do my own thing and be somebody. Sick. And then it kind of, it just took time to like, cause like one thing I had to get over was I have like a weird ass voice. It's like super like. Really? It's kinda, I don't think so. It's kind of like high. It's a yeah. weird, it's like a unique voice, but it's also like, it's something I had to get over cause like kids would like make fun of me about it. No and still, shit. Still sometimes my friends, if I'm like super excited, people are like, you sound like you're on helium or some shit, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But like there was things I had to get over. And at this point, it's not like I'm faking anything. I'm, I'm happy with who I am and I feel confident. It's the biggest weapon. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would say I don't think I was born super. Maybe I was like, I don't know, a happy baby. I don't know, but I was never born super, super outgoing. Maybe you weren't born done. for it, but you were just meant for it. Yeah, which are like two different subjects, you know. Because like, I had issues growing up younger, which I played a lot of sports too. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you played football and wrestling, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. I did my research on you too. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But I had, uh, I had. Kind of, I was a class clown too. I was a kid who always took it to the level where he got caught. Mm-hmm. I was always a fucking tenor. Like, I, like you know, someone's, oh, someone's doing the suicide soda, you know, where you put every single soda in one and drink it. Like, well, check it out. I'm going to overflow this shit and then just like pour it. Like, I was that guy. Yeah. Like, example, leaving middle school once. 
everyone's throwing rocks at this dude's sliding door, right? And it's at the end where you leave. I don't know if you remember these fences, but these fences to get out of a school used to be like rectangles. Like at the edge of the field, you would just like kind of get out and go. That's what locked to keep someone out of the field, like out of the school. So everybody's like <laughs> chucking these pebbles at this window. They're like fucking. Bing, 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 bing. And then I'm just like, you think that's cool? Fucking check this out. And I grab like a fucking boulder and I just get a running start. And I'm like, just chuck it over the fence, just right through the sliding door. Just fucking shatters it. Immediately, principal's like, fucking get it. And I was just always that kid in trouble. Mm. Immediately. So, like, I don't know, man. Maybe the troubled kids are where it's at. The yeah. pioneers. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's what com- like comedians say all the time. Like the best artists, comedians, or whatever, like had like a. Weird ass childhood. So. Yeah, I don't think we're just ready to fall in line. That's yeah. like kind of something I was never born to do. I just so stubborn. I do it even if I had to live out of my van. I drive, you know. Right. Like fuck, dude. I'm just not meant for a cubicle. Never been meant for one. Yeah. But like, you know, it works for some people. It doesn't because like clearly it worked for you. Yeah. Maybe you didn't grow up like it, but you fucking were meant for it. It went into you and you just built right away. Hell yeah! There we go. The, the Holy Ghost is in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just do that thing where you're just like, oh. Hey, man. <laughs> so, so how, when did you officially stop doing Chachi's Pizza? Had COVID calmed down? Or is it still during COVID there? Like, I'm going to take a break. And then what were the next steps from there? Uh, I think it depends who you ask, hmm. right? Because some people would get offended if I said a certain area of COVID had calmed down by then. You know, I'd be like, it never fucking calmed Fair. down. To me, yeah, it's when COVID kind of chilled. Masks were getting lifted. Mm. A few stories had left to do it. Nobody was checking. Uh, it's right around March. It was right before I got married. Mm. And I just hit a point where uh, with inflation and prices jumping that I was, like, battling to pay rent. And, like, dude, my shit wasn't cheap. Mm-mm. And and it's not easy to raise your prices because people don't get it. They're just like, why the fuck is it so expensive? You're like, do you know how much it is for me to fucking buy yeah. this and make it as one person? Uh I hit a point where I just thought, you know, I, I like I fucking I'm getting married. It was like in fucking three weeks from that. I was like, I'm getting married in like three fucking weeks. I gotta drive my van down to California, which gas alone at that time was like it's like fucking three times a plane ticket. And I was like, yo, this isn't the way to live. I'm fucking scraping. Mm-hmm. And then I had got kind of a I've had talks of a TV show coming up, right? So I'd met with this producer, uh Darren Romanelli, you know, Dr. Romanelli in LA through my uh brother friend Mario. I got all of the painter and it hooked me up and kind of a discussed uh, a route that took uh, getting my own TV show and, and getting a route where I had uh, my own cookbook. And I was like, there's no fucking way I could make a cookbook and I could do a TV show and run the pop-ups. Like there's mm-hmm. like no fucking chance. Like it's not even like a guess, you know, it's not even like if I had a team of 10 mm-hmm. ain't fucking going to happen. You know what I mean? So like I hit a point where I thought like, all right, fucking pick one. And one has greater rewards uh, financially. I mean, in every aspect, there's a greater reward, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it on pause. I'm going to attack this book and attack this TV show. Doesn't work out. I might open something. Hmm. As of now, I truly know I'd never open a restaurant. Really? Because on What's Up Dough, sounded like you had investors and you were about to open or like a pizza place or something. What happened with that? I had a few investors. I was really, uh, you know, blessed. I had a, I had an investor who wanted to open one in Redmond. I had an investor who wanted to open one in Capitol Hill. I had an investor that wanted to open one in SoFi Stadium and the Rams. I had an investor who wanted to open one in anywhere in L.A. I was stacked with people who were knocking on my door to saying, like, we want this shit. Even people in L.A. Nobody had really even had my food there. And they were like, you're marketable. Let's do this. Hmm. 
and I had a fucking list, dude. I had a, I had a famous, uh, I had a, not famous, I had a really well-known chef out here try to open one for me. Hmm. Um, just had them all knocking on the door. And at that point, I thought I had wanted to create this really special experience with pizza and food. And then as just time had gone on, I was like, I'm not seeing my family mm-hmm. anymore. I'm high stressed. Um, I, when I like, you know, if I'm carrying all this stress around, I'm just being more of a piece of shit, you know, and I'm just, you know, so you just got to like round things out and be like, what's worth it, what's not. But I had plenty of investors. I was stacked. I had like people who were like badly. Because at first I was like, yeah, I'll consider it. And I'm like, this guy's offered me this much percentage for this amount of money. And then I tell the other one, you know, like, we'll offer you this. And it would fucking circle between like four. Damn. Yeah. And I was like getting in there. I was like leaning in, kind of figuring out where I wanted to strike. And then I was just like, I want to do this. And which really sucked because I talked to all these guys and they're like, we want to do this for you. We want to do this. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or no. And then all of a sudden I was like, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're like, what? We're right. <laughs> in the middle of talks. And I was like, I'm over it. I don't fucking, you can have it back. I don't want the pop-up game anymore. You can take it. Mm. I'm over it. So I went to work at, where I currently work at the uh, Medina Country Club over like okay. easy peasy. I'm an expediter. Read tickets. Tell you where the fucking food goes. I told them. They're wonderful people. Everyone there is so great. Uh, and they were just like. I was like, hey, man, I'm just trying to take it easy. I just went through a fucking year plus of just going crazy running a company. I need a reset button. So mm. they were like, welcome to Overlake. And they pay me good, and they treat me super well, so super stoked. And are you really happier? So happy. Mm. While I work on bigger things. Yeah. Um, I always have backup plans if, if things don't fully work. I have a pretty good sense that things will work with the TV show. Mm. I have really legit wheels turning pretty crazy wheels that are like uh way more than average of what someone has for them when they're trying to do a show so i'm feeling that will work if it doesn't we'll figure things out but pretty positive the tv show is almost to go and if it's not you could do a youtube series with it too you have no idea there's like so many routes people can take to do with the independent route you could get it on a network you know straight to streaming whatever so many avenues now it's it's kind of cool there's a ton of avenues now. And one of the things the producer was like, we're just going to first you just get a YouTube show. Yeah. It's like people chuck money at you for YouTube shows nowadays too. And you could just get her done. And I'm like, would love it. You know, mm-hmm. I just, uh, part of the hope with the show is to like, just show people there's like more than the, the, the tourist pamphlet you get for a city. Mm-hmm. It's more shit. There's way more shit. You know, there's people who are struggling out there to make it. There's like mom and pop shops. I'm not against the guy who afforded culinary school and who's selling, you know, fucking three hundred dollar prefix meal tickets. You know, we'll do your thing, make your money. I just like there's a fucking mom and pop shop. I guarantee you, you could go to the fine dining and get the cube of chicken breast, that's like delicious. You could also go to like mom and pop shop, give you the whole damn bird for like way cheaper, and it tastes just as good, if yeah. not better. You know, so I'm I'm for that person. I'm more for the uh, uh, in LA we have a really famous food writer named Jonathan Gold. Rest in peace, and he was a food writer that just showcased like, you know, some fine dining restaurants, but really showed like the immigrant run ones, people who started from nothing. Mm-hmm. I like, I like those people. I think being from that, I like the underdog. Like I'm stoked for them. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my dreams. I'm like, hell yeah, I do get that shit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm stoked when I see them do it. What is uh your top five favorite mom and pop restaurants in Seattle? Um, One I used to go to a lot in Ravenna when I was there is called Chinese pickup sticks or Chinese chopsticks. They switched the sign because they had a sign in front from a previous Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was, like, a sign that said, like, 
Chinese cuisine, and then they had like dropped a half a banner that said like chopsticks, and then they had like dropped half a banner to the other. I don't know if they were going through something, but they changed the name a few times. Um, who else? Who's my favorites? I'm trying to think right now because I don't want to waste anybody mm. or like make their life more miserable. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was like one thing when Jackie Variano, or however you say the Seattle Times writer, was going to release the article, she was like, Are you ready? Dun, dun, and I was dun. like, For what? Yeah, <laughs> she was like, Are you ready? Because it's going to get crazy. And I was like, Pfft. and then it got crazy for a year and a half. Damn. I was like, I don't know if I was ready. That's crazy. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. I'm not positive right now. I got to think properly on that one. Okay. And it's not Seattle Dogs. Seattle Dogs. You can avoid that. There we go. <laughs> um, do you think, is there a lot of food culture in Seattle? Because when I, like a just a blanket general statement, I feel like you, you see a lot of like Asian poop people move, moving into Seattle. So you, you see a lot of Asian restaurants or Indian restaurants. So when I think of Seattle, I think of Asian restaurants, Indian restaurants, and seafood. And I feel like maybe a lot of people are kind of starting to get into that boat and not realize there's probably maybe there's vast majority of other types of restaurants. I think um, so. If I talk about like Seattle dining. Everybody's got their strongholds, right? You talk about LA, you got Mexican food. I mean, you got every kind of food in mm. LA, right? And they're all stars. But like when you start off the originals, right? It's basically northern Mexico. Seattle star, I think, is Asian food by like mm. far. I feel like I, I never left LA when it comes to that. Uh, Jade Garden, uh, Harbor, these Chinese restaurants are, I'm frequent there, dude. If you see like, I'm always getting dim sum. Ugh. I'm like fat on dim sum. I love that shit. I eat it all day. So like Asian restaurants here are fire. Um, Indian ones are really good as well. I mean, like, Seattle's a very, like, simple, done right kind of place. I noticed mm -hmm. when I moved here because I was like, oh, what is this kind of dining? It's, like, simple, done right. Salmon, veggies, like, people are very into, like, just simple, done, fucking right, which I like, which is great, right? Seafood here is amazing. Taylor Shellfish. I went to their headquarters, like, two days ago. That, like, mm -hmm. one up in, uh, ugh, it's, like, north of Everett. It's, like, a, it's like their little spot where you're on the ocean where they actually farm the oysters. What? I don't even know this place. <sighs> amazing just like pickled fish uh mustards that go with it on like toasted bread they just have like seafood everything fresh oysters baked oysters like dude it's, it's incredible on the view you're just staring into the sound like you're on the water mm -hmm. like your table's here and the ocean's here how many food podcasts are there in seattle because i feel like just like how there's i get artists that fly into seattle that i'm also doing business owners now and comedians and then let's say all planes were shut down for like two years and I couldn't do Zoom interviews or whatever. And I could only stick to Seattle. I could I could still just do Seattle artists for years. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's the same for restaurants in Seattle. But maybe I just haven't looked for a lot of food podcasts. But I feel like if there were like, if there are food podcasts, they should be pretty successful in Seattle. There's a few of them. Uh, off the top of my head, I know there's like the Peloton podcast or Peloton podcast there's the cat uh justin fuck be bummed i forgot his name justin so there's a few podcasts mm. here that do food um but just generally in the u.s dude podcasts everywhere yeah. for everything and especially for food because i think uh when i started cooking you weren't allowed to come out if you were smoking it couldn't be a place the customer could see you going back nobody wanted to know there was a chef back there care these days people like mm. Some worship the ground they walk on. You see, like, the Maddie Matheson people, like, those people fucking swear. But, I mean, he looks like a wonderful person. He, and he's, like, the only one for the record. 
are these celebrity chefs who looks like he really fucking knows how to cook. Like mm-hmm. that dude's food looks delicious. When you watch him cook, like he's the technique that like your exec chef has. Like that dude is on it. You can tell when you see it. People fucking love that guy. They like worship now. But back in the day, they're like fucking stay in the kitchen, dude. Like fucking no one wants to see your ass. But like now, yeah. yeah. People love it, dude. There's shows for it, everything, you know? I mean, like, like that dude, Salt Bay guy? I've yeah. heard Salt Bay's, like, mixed on actually how good his food is, but... I heard it's trash, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even fucking care if he sees this. I heard his shit's trash. It seems like a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. His whole thing seems like a stick. You know, good for you. He probably made bank off and he's living comfy. No hate. But would I eat his food? Fuck no. If it's free, I'd rather go to the fucking spot with dumplings across the street, you know? Catch me fucking sideways with that, dude. I'd rather, mm-mm, no, fuck that. I don't do that whole, like, gold leaf wrapped steak, yeah. you know? <laughs> Shit in gold for, like, three days. I'm not about that. Makes you dookie twinkle. I don't know. It's not my thing. Oh, that's great. But people, like, you know, they, like, worship time of shit like that, you know? And then there's we're also in the age of people fucking breaking down chefs who have been fucking assholes to people. Because yeah. it was so normal in the day to, like, just be berated in the kitchen. Just, like, you know, The Bear, the show on FX that does the culinary world. There's a show mm. that my friend wrote, directed, and did everything for, uh, Chris Storer. And uh, that show has Maddie Matheson, too. And it shows, like, the I think it shows the legitimate stresses of a kitchen. Mm. I think uh, there's a lot of haters on there. You got all your punk chefs who are just like, fuck any mainstream shit. And it's just like, whatever, dude. And fuck off. Like, no one yeah. cares. But I think it's a great show to watch to show the stresses of the kitchen because it's crazy. I and mean, there's a scene he goes in there and it's supposed to be a really famous chef that he's working for. He's just behind him and he's like, that looks like shit. Like, you're an awful fucking chef. You know, you should fucking kill yourself. Like, I've heard yeah. that before. I've been like punching the ribs for getting sauces wrong. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. it's a It's a world that's like. And it's funny because the whole time you just have to hold back because mm. you're taught you they can do whatever they want, you know? Damn. Yeah. Have you seen the menu yet? I have not, but I heard it's the shit. Oh, you should watch the menu. Is it good? You should it. watch the bear. We'll trade off. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sounds like a plan. I, I watched it in the movie theaters and then when it came to HBO, I watched it. That good, too. huh? I heard it's great. Yeah. yeah I liked it. Yeah. My, I was told by, uh, by a friend of mine that I work with now. His name's Lai. Makes amazing soup. Uh, he was like, you have to watch it. It's too fucking shit. And I was like, I got it. And every movie he's told me to watch, I just forget. Uh, yeah. I just like, I have actual diagnosed high tier ADHD. So that. for me, I'm fucking just like, oh, there's a million things at once. Yeah. My mom says all the best people have ADHD. Sick. So. I love your mom. Your mom's sick. <laughs> yeah. She could come to my birthday party. She's fucking sick. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's It's like. I love uh, you, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to Mrs. Nast. <laughs> it's like, dude, I, I love that because I have like the most ADHD and all through my life people know it, you know? Mm. So you'd get like picked on for that. Yeah. And I have like a fucking weird hyena laugh when I go too hyper and like I don't even notice it's going on and I fucking just let it out. And I always got shit for all those things. Yeah. So Mama Nast, this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, so with that, um, is there anything else we need to cover? I think we got from your childhood up until the show. Is there anything you would like to promote? Um, shows coming up for people who have continued to follow, continue to hit me up and support. Uh, shows coming up. It's just getting edited. There will be a version that's released for social media and YouTube, and there'll be a version that gets sent to the channels, whatever. So one version will be out. Thanks for the continued support. I appreciate it. Uh, Luca Martin LA clothing company. They support me and send me everything I need. And they're a great small company as well. All the people fucking struggling. Keep going. Hell yeah. What is, um, besides that, what is any final advice you have for up and coming artists, creators, 
chefs, influencers? It's the only thing I can think of. That's all honesty, too. Like, it's not supposed to be like, it's not so like cheese or anything. It's just be yourself. If you're good at what you do, people will buy it. If you just, and like, if you're good at what you do and you find what you do and you love it, it's going to work out. You just got to keep hitting at it. Cause I mean, in the least nihilistic way, nothing matters. <laughs> right. I'm not saying to go fucking burn a car and steal one because yeah. nothing matters. I'm saying reach for all those dreams because nothing fucking matters. Like worst come to worst, you end up back in a fucking cubicle. Who cares? But like shoot for it. Go for it. Fuck who cares? Just do it. Yeah. You know? Fuck yeah. Just go do whatever you want. Look at you. Three years and you're already getting your own fucking shit because you went yeah. for it. Yeah. You'd probably say the same shit, right? I think you yeah. would just say just do it. Just, I get it with Nike it. now. Just yeah. do it. Like I totally get it. I was like, And oh, yeah. use child labor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nimble fingers create nice and tight spaces. <laughs> oh my God. We don't condone child slavery here. <laughs> this guy does it. No, <laughs> there we go. Um, what is the easiest way for people to reach you? Um, I think my uh, Instagram is right now is good old Chachi. It's the easy way to reach me. Um, most of the people reach for me is to ask if a, uh, another pop up's coming. There are collab pop ups coming where I'm going to do one maybe like once every two months. The next one's going to be uh, with T.O. Babies and Ballard. We're going to do another Taco Bell pop up. So. Uh, that's coming up. We're not exactly sure when. Uh, it should be chill. Yeah. Hell yeah. This has been the NAS podcast with. I am Chachi. And we did it.